Welcome to the Articulated Meditation Podcast. My name is Douglas Caldwell, and you're listening to a weekly reading of the Meditations of Elizabeth Moreau. Each week, I will share one of the latest meditations written by my good friend Elizabeth. Her prayerful thoughts on various biblical passages provide a clear Christian voice in the midst of a rationalistic, materialistic world where many, and perhaps most Christians, are encouraged to hear only their own voices. For this reason, I believe her voice needs to be heard now more than ever before. This way or that way. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6. In the last three meditations, I have made three specific points. First, the time has come that we must choose between Christ and the culture. The choice is whether to be people of faith in and obedient to our God, or to embrace secularism, which recognizes no transcendent being. Second, we need to recognize the humanism in American culture and choose between personal happiness confined to this life alone, or we die to self and rise with Christ to abundant life, to eternal and divine life. Third, Christians are called to adapt ourselves to the truth and to conform to Jesus Christ, growing in virtue and love, or we can join in the relativistic American amoral zeitgeist of self-determination, embracing our wants and passions. In this final meditation on Jesus' claim to be the way, the truth, and the life, I want us to consider what Jesus meant when Thomas asked to know where Jesus was going, especially as it relates to contemporary American society. If we take secularism, humanism, and relativism together, we end up with progressivism. Progress sounds good, and very clearly we can point to great progress all around us. I am typing this on a machine with far more computing power than was used to send men to the moon. That's progress. My son has type 1 diabetes, meaning insulin dependent. As recently as 100 years ago, the only outcome when diabetes developed was death, typically within weeks or even days in some cases of diagnosis. Insulin was discovered in 1921, and my son has lived with diabetes for over three decades. That's progress. But the discussion that is important for us is not a technical or a medical discussion. We're talking about ideas. The idea of a godless society holding the highest good to be human happiness and well-being, defined differently by every person, is contrasted with the superstitious belief of a transcendent, invisible God who imposes unwanted restrictions on the human race. The ardent intellectuals who crowd our universities and form the minds of the last two or three generations, including many of us, pride themselves for breaking free of the constraints of past religious superstitions and the incumbent restrictive morality entailed. The progress toward atheism established in the humanism of the Renaissance gained strength and acceptance in the rationalism of the Enlightenment. With Darwin, serious and thoughtful defense of natural selection, 
absent any creative force in the universe, the impetus of unapologetic atheism increased exponentially. The great claim of the intellectual class in contemporary America is that humanity has finally come into its own, free to be fully human without religious relics hanging around in the mind. Really? How accurate is this vision? Because it is the vision of the cultural leaders and intelligentsia, and it permeates every aspect of American life. I would suggest that the much-acclaimed human progress arguably is closer to human regress. For example, Americans are enamored with being in love and with beauty and youth. In 2018, we spent around $16.5 billion on cosmetic surgery. Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, and passion. One of the most prominent causes in our nation today is the environment and maintaining the earth in its natural and beautiful state. Gaia was the primordial Greek goddess of the earth. Americans suffer from a host of excesses. Obesity is an epidemic. And there are 12-step programs for every imaginable kind of addiction. About $150 billion is spent on illegal drugs every year. With the pandemic, Americans could not go to church or gather for family events, but liquor stores remained open. Dionysus, or Bacchus, was the Greek god of licentiousness and intoxication. Plutus was the Greek god of wealth and prosperity. Athena was the goddess of wisdom. I could go on. Militant atheism really encourages nothing more than the ancient worship of a pantheon of gods that reflect human experience, human reason and passion, needs and fears. Intellectuals have not abandoned religion, but rather have exchanged the life in the true God for an inferior religion. How embarrassing for them that they do not see. The triumph of human progress that is the ethos of the contemporary culture, is empty. As Solomon wrote, That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. And yet progressivism pushes onward with the certainty that, if said long enough and loud enough, their ideas will prove to be correct. The deception of progressivism is what is not seen and not made clear. And while we average, dull citizens go about trying to make ourselves happy, progressivism works steadily toward an undefined and unattainable utopic vision created by atheist intellectuals. As the inevitable Thomas Sowell observed, some of the biggest causes of mistaken identity are among the intellectuals who have trouble remembering that they are not God. Theories of everything that do not include God are not actually theories of everything. They are intellectual theories overseeing the decline of a civilization too blind or too arrogant to realize its own self-destruction. In 1943, in The Abolition of Man, C.S. Lewis wrote, The process which, if not checked, will abolish man goes on on a space among communists and democrats no less than among fascists. The methods may at first differ in brutality, but many a mild-eyed scientist, many a popular dramatist, many an amateur 
philosopher in our midst means in the long run just the same as Nazi rulers in Germany. Traditional values are to be debunked, and mankind is to be cut out into some fresh shape at the will, which must by hypothesis be an arbitrary will, of some few lucky people in one lucky generation, which has learned how to do it. Compare Lewis's comment to the current frontrunner for the most formidable atheist in the world, Peter Singer of Melbourne, Australia, who believes adult non-human mammals are of greater value than unborn, newborn, mentally defective, or comatose human beings. If Singer's progressive atheism carries the day, then we can begin shedding all human beings who are less than an ideal established by him or by the next formidable atheist who takes his place. Singer is a clear example of what soul meant when speaking of mistaken identity. Singer doesn't need to believe in God because he and others like him know who is worthy of life and who is not. What I hope to convey to Christians is not simply that we must choose for whom to vote, but rather the time has come to acknowledge that the choices before us are not finally political but religious. Politicians are simply middlemen of ideas and implementation. Christians need to recognize that progressivism is an alternative religion and not Christian. Progressivism is more than a political party espousing platitudes about compassion, care, and policy. It is an ideology that demands Christians conform to the assumed superior knowledge and will of the lucky few who decide the shape of human beings in the current generation. In 1976, Francis Schaeffer wrote, There is a death wish inherent in humanism. The impulse drive to beat to death the base which made our freedoms and culture possible. Man destroyed the base which gave him the possibility of freedoms without chaos. Humanists have been determined to beat to death the knowledge that God has not been silent, but has spoken in the Bible and through Jesus Christ. And they have been determined to do this even though the death of those values that has come with is the death of that knowledge. This is where we are living today, in a culture without God, with relativistic values, and with the imposition of the will of the select in the formation of the society. Chaos reigns, and intellectuals congratulate themselves for having risen above the messiness of religion. What are you going to do? What do you intend to believe? Who are you going to trust? When Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, he was closing a discussion begun in John 13. Following Judas' departure, Jesus told the disciples he was going to be glorified, his time was short, and the disciples couldn't follow where he was going, which led to the statement Jesus made in John 14, 6. Jesus told the disciples he was leaving them to prepare a place for them, but the way that Jesus took was through the cross. The cross is what glorified the Son of Man, and in his glorification, God also was glorified. The way in which Christians are called to live is the same way in which Jesus lived. We are called to lay down our lives for the good of others, to love without limits, to forgive and to extend mercy, to abide in truth and lead people to life. 
That is the way Christians should live. Personal happiness is not the goal of Christian life. Obedience is. In John 13, 36, Jesus told Peter, and by implication all of the disciples, that they would follow him in due time. All of Jesus' disciples were martyred except for St. John, who was exiled and persecuted in Ephesus and on the island of Patmos. Our world is rapidly becoming just as intolerable of Christianity as the first century was. But that stands to reasons, since the atheists and progressives of today very nearly promote a technologically advanced first century religion. So it is not that religious faith is bad. Christianity is the threat, already seen as a form of neuroses in some quarters, a delusion that must be subservient to the zealously religious intellectual guardians of human life and human value. We're not electing a spiritual leader in American government. We're voting on the ideas that make possible our freedom to worship. The church is so compromised with ideas antithetical to the gospel that many of us are not fully aware of the stakes. Our Episcopal leader called much of Christianity in the pews functional atheism, but the clergy are still asked to participate in online seminars that tout a host of worldly wisdoms and do not mention humility before God, repentance, or new birth. It is time, Christian. We must choose whether to be part of the culture or part of the body of Christ. That is true even inside the church. We cannot live complacently in our culture, then go to church on Sunday and feel confident in our salvation. This is the God who made the heavens and the earth, whose touch stretches beyond the end of the universe, even as he numbers the hairs on each head and listens to the whispered prayers for the puppy from a toddler's mouth. Our God is so vast, so beyond anything we can comprehend, that we unwittingly trade the riches of life so that we can fit in a culture determined to die. I don't have words. So much, so much is offered to us if we have the courage to take the gospel seriously and not to capitulate to the wisdom of the world. I'm not even talking about the future of this nation, but rather I'm talking about our future, the future of each individual who claims to follow Jesus. There is no room for humanism in Christianity because humanism will not tolerate a God greater than human beings. There is no place for secularism in Christianity because godlessness cannot coexist with the God in whom the whole of the material world lives and moves and has being. There is no space for relativism in Christianity because all truth proceeds from the mouth of God. And finally, there is no accommodation in Christianity for progressivism because the unrestrained arrogance that desires to jettison God with human progress is the idea that originally brought death to humanity. As we descend into the chaos of violence, Canceling culture by restricting speech, banning books, erasing history, and manipulating minds with blatant deception, what are you going to choose, Christian? Which way are you going to go? In the words of Jesus across the centuries, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can choose another way. The world has plenty to offer. 
But be assured, whatever way we choose will not be the true or life-giving way that we are called to live. Reflect long and hard about your life. If you want to follow Jesus, then the influences of worldly wisdom need to be purged from your thought. Dying to self is incredibly hard to do, but it is the way to truth and to life. In Christ, Elizabeth Moreau. You've just heard the latest meditation from Elizabeth Moreau. If you've not already done so, you can find the written version of this meditation in Elizabeth's blog found on the Servants Feast website at servantsfeast.org. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next week as we take another deep dive into the heart and mind of Elizabeth Moreau.